queer anarchist space where we smash the patriarchy by celebrating what is strong about being soft. Here, we'll explore what is vulnerable, raw, hurt, healed, sensual, queer, and controversial. So join me and my friends from around the internet as we talk about deep shit and prove, as Janelle Monet said, that pink is the truth you can't hide. Hey babies, mama made it. <laughs> I've been trying so hard to record an episode and I feel the emotional mental equivalent of like a parent <laughs> in a movie who gets stranded somewhere and is like really trying to make it home for the big day. <laughs> I feel like I just burst through the door on like your piano recital or something. <laughs> Like a wind-chapped face and chapped lips and just, you know, looking a mess and just silently crying because I'm too dehydrated to have any tears. Being like, baby, I made it. <laughs> it's like, I'm going to get a fucking episode out in December if it kills me. Oh, um, unfortunately, I haven't had much time to plan this month's episode, but I've had so many related thoughts swirling around in my head. So we're going to kick it old school today and just go very off the cuff and hopefully something entertaining comes out of it. So uh, just a quick update before we get into it, but I have been, and this is actually related to the episode today, but I've been working a lot the last few weeks it went from having like basically no hours to now I've been clocking in almost 40 hours a week, which is double <laughs> what I wanted. Um, well, I did volunteer for up to 30 just because I'm like desperate to make money now. But yeah, uh, babes, it's too much. <laughs> I don't know if anyone's ever said this to you before, but like 40 hour work weeks are terrible and shouldn't exist. <laughs> I know I'm probably the first person to ever come up with this, but yeah, they're fucking terrible. I've had no spoons left over to do literally anything else. Um, it's been really difficult. Uh, I'm happy for the money that I'm going to be getting, but beyond that, it's just too much. And I really wish I could find a situation where, you know, I could have a more sustained amount of hours per week because I've found... I think 10 to 25 a week is a sweet spot. You know, 10's like enough to get by and 25 is enough to get ahead without being too burnt out. But oh my God, anything more than that. And even 25 is like pushing it, but anything more than that. And it's, whew. and then I don't know if I have any fellow contract workers uh, listening. I'm sure I do because <laughs> who the fuck isn't a contract worker nowadays? But working, billing like 38 40 hours is, to me, it felt like working like a 60-hour work week. That's probably an exaggeration, but it felt like working like more than full-time because it's not like, oh, I had to be at a job or I had to be available for a job for 40 hours last week. <laughs> it's like I did literally 40 hours of work and that's what I'm billing for. Oh, it's, uh, yeah, it's too much. So, Related to today's topic, I've been finding myself, um, I had been doing a pretty 
strict regimen to try to, you know, continue to heal and address some health issues. And it had been going really well, but now I've been ordering takeout, not all the time, but enough. And I've just constantly want to buy things. <laughs> like I just sit around and think about like what I need to buy and then I'll go buy it. And that makes me feel better. So I've managed to hold off the impulse of buying stuff I don't need. But I'm also like seeking out things to buy. You know, it's like, oh, I'm running low on hand soap. <laughs> I better go buy some or whatever it is. I just ordered a bunch of face masks and it's like, well, yeah, I'm running kind of low, but I also hardly ever use them. Um, so it's like fine that I got, you know, like I do need them, but it, I can just tell that I'm like, oh, I just want to buy something. <laughs> so yeah, again, I've managed to keep it to stuff I actually need for now, but it's a, it's a problem. And it's this, it's literally, the only thing that's changed is how much I'm working. And it's it's just remarkable how much being exhausted specifically from work and having to work that many hours in a day will just completely change the way you engage with your, your day and your life. Um, I had been walking and doing yoga and keeping my house clean and feeling really balanced. <laughs> now I just feel like a fucking mess. Um, yeah, so that's what I'm dealing with. So when I was going through my questions list, I had a question from Pia, which I will read in a bit, but uh, kind of about hoarding, buying in bulk, how that relates to poverty, etc. And then also, I have, we've had two book clubs, one's coming up and one we did last month, where we read a book about degrowth. And then this month we're reading a book about how to kind of stay on top of your life and keep house while you're dealing with, you know, things like a neurodivergent brain or disability. And so these books also pretty heavily touched into a lot of these themes as well. And then I've, you know, had my experience the last few weeks of being extremely burnt out, um, overworked, and seeing how that's having a direct impact on my consumption, um, my literal <laughs> consumption, as well as, you know, the more metaphorical consumption. Um, yeah, and I just thought, you know what, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to try to roll all this stuff together and just kind of have some loose thoughts about everything. And I think it's good for this time of year as well, because obviously this time of year, is one where people feel a lot of pressure to buy, whether it's more maybe perhaps in the, the buying in bulk side. I know I stocked up during Black Friday on some stuff. Um, so, you know, taking advantage of holiday sales is kind of a big thing. And then also, of course, buying gifts is a big thing this time of year. And, and even going out to dinner and just going out for drinks and doing all kinds of stuff, having people over and cooking a big meal. Um, not that there's anything wrong with that, but it's just a time of, it kind of feels like a whirlwind of expenditure. And so I thought it would fit in nicely with what I want to talk about today. All right. So the question that started it all comes from Pia. And to summarize what Pia said, we sort of had an open discussion in Discord, um, but they also set it up as a prompt for the podcast. 
was basically to sort of ask if anyone else feels the urge to buy in bulk, especially when things are in sa- on sale, and wondered about, you know, if this habit is connected to poverty, food insecurity, growing up poor, growing up perhaps in an unstable household, just how this can connection can happen with um, hoarding, which this isn't necessarily hoarding, but it feels connected, right? Having to buy things in bulk, especially when you don't necessarily use things that quickly or you may already have some amount of that stuff stored away. Like Pia said, they bought a lip balm that they use for sales price, but they knew they already had, they still had some in their cabinet equally bought on sale. (laughs) So it's like, why do I feel the need to, you know, stock up on these things? Um, And I really did resonate with this because, yeah, I frequently have this struggle myself between taking advantages of sales and feeling like I'm saving money and also feeling like I want to have the security of having things. I think, um, This has always kind of been the case, but I think particularly, for instance, the pandemic caused me to feel really scared about the fact that I don't necessarily keep a lot of food on hand. I don't necessarily have a ton of non-perishables. I have enough that I could get by for a bit, but it's not like I don't really have a good place to store extra food. And also, I just, I eat a lot of fresh food, (laughs) so I don't, I do things like perhaps canned or dried beans. Um, I might have some grains on hand, but besides that, I don't really have, like, a lot in stock. And when the pandemic hit and, you know, it was hard to get food for a while, and honestly, even still today, it can still be difficult to get food. The supply chains are, you know, suffering and things are pretty unreliable, it really hit me like how scared that made me. And it did reactivate some childhood trauma I had around not having food because it was pretty common in my house for us to not really have, um, we wouldn't really have food. And we, especially during a pretty big chunk of my childhood, we wouldn't have any food that was like what I would consider real food. And I hope that that doesn't sound offensive to anyone. What I mean by that is just when I say real, I don't mean to disparage any type of food, but I mean food that would feel nourishing and would make me feel full and like healthy. So for instance, my dad would go to Costco and get us like pallets of ramen noodles because they were so cheap. But the thing was, I felt like I could eat like five packets of ramen noodles and I just wouldn't feel like I had actually eaten anything substantial. And um, I think that's actually connected to a lot of health issues I'm having now, interestingly. But yeah, I would feel, you know, I would always feel like, oh, there there isn't something hearty and something nourishing and filling and sustaining that I can eat here and so even when we did technically have food it was it was like that it was like ramen noodles or cornflakes or whatever and when I was a kid my parents had uh, 
had a farm and had raised me for the first like six years of my life on that farm. And we had, you know, garden fresh vegetables and just really good quality foods. Um, and so I had that in my back, you know, it was something that I would like actively crave versus I know some kids don't have that growing up. And so you may still have that kind of craving or that restlessness, but you don't really know what to compare it to. I knew what to compare it to, you know, I wanted like real food (laughs) and we didn't have any. And so that's something that like, yeah, the pandemic brought that up and I was kind of surprised because it wasn't something I had like actively really thought about for a while. And it made me really nervous, you know, and I noticed um, I just started to have a lot of weird behaviors around food, uh, eating it, but buying it as well and storing it. And I feel like I still kind of have that. (laughs) Even now, I just keep buying things and I have stuff like I I have you know enough uh to get by if something happened not forever but I mean I just wouldn't anyway so but yeah I just (laughs) feel like I need to keep storing up uh for some some unforeseen event so I think the interesting thing with hoarding is I do think there's definitely a connection to poverty but I think there's a larger connection perhaps a more accurate connection to feeling unsafe in general because i forget who said it but there's you know been some discourse not super recently but i think in the in the last couple of years few years about you know hoarding is one of those things that is cool for rich people to do <laughs> not cool when poor people do it like when rich people do it it's called collecting and when poor people do it it's called hoarding and you know one of the things like for rich people it's like sure they're buying things that are valuable whereas hoarding for poor people can be things that are seen as not valuable but they also have staff and they have storage um, that can make those things look nice and be organized And they have some kind of value, usually, so it's seen as perhaps not necessarily an investment, but it's seen as something that makes sense to a lot of people of like, oh, yeah, if I had a bunch of really nice sunglasses, I would want, you know, like that would be cool. Um, Even though how many pairs of sunglasses do you need? (laughs) Even if they're very nice and very expensive, there's got to be a point at which this is, you know, become a bit of a, a thing. Um, cause I was thinking, uh, particularly Paris Hilton, I, cause I watched her documentary finally, I think this year and she has, uh, I believe if I'm, it's either like a Walmart or a Costco that was closed down that she bought the building and that's her, like her storage for all of her shit and she still even has more shit in her house and it's you know stuff that people have sent her she has like a whole staff around just administering and maintaining her stuff and you know for those of you who are aware of her story she did have a pretty traumatic childhood where her parents sent her off to one of those 
Um, I forget what they're called. They're like schools for kids with quote unquote behavioral issues. And um, these schools were found to be just, you know, full of sexual and physical and mental abuse. Um, so it's kind of interesting that, you know, even though she's such a privileged person, that she did also experience this pretty intense abuse because of her parents. <laughs> like they just sent her to this place and she didn't uh, really have any way to protect herself, even though she's this like wealthy person. So anyway, I, I have issues with Paris Hilton too. I'm not trying to like stand her right now, but it was interesting to me to see that she has this sense because she also talks about her wanting to be like a billionaire and her wanting to have this empire that a big part of that is she wants to be so wealthy that like she's completely protected and no one can fuck with her ever. And I wonder, you know, I think like her having all this stuff is part of that, perhaps like this sense of feeling unsafe and just it's like, I don't know the exact pathway psychologically but there's something to feeling like oh if I have a lot of things a those things will make me happy and then b those things will make me safe and there's something about that as a not just a poor you know person <laughs> I guess I'm not poor in this exact moment but uh, I've been fluctuating through poverty and mostly in poverty the last few years and then most of my life so is this like mostly poor person I definitely understand. I understand all of it. Like, I want to have things because I want to know that I have things. I think part of it, too, is perhaps like a neurodivergent thing, because another thing that I struggle with that we've been talking about in the thread for the How to Keep House While Drowning book club, which we're uh, reading this month, there's this really deep kind of depression I get by the cyclical and endless nature of tasks. <laughs> I think I've probably mentioned this before because this is something that I've been thinking about and grappling with for a few years now, but it's really hard for me because I try to say that to people sometimes, like especially if I'm like dating someone or a friend or someone at work and people just kind of think it's like they don't get it and they think it's kind of like a silly thing but <laughs> because it's like well yeah you have to wash your clothes again or like yeah you have to do the dishes again but I just get really crushed <laughs> by like how often like how much of our day and life is taken up by these these tasks I don't know it's just really hard. for. It's always very hard for me to deal with. Like, even on a bigger scale, something like taxes, which I know I've talked about because, you know, my taxes have been torturing me for years now. And I can't seem to, like, I haven't had the spoons to set up a system that's better. But I think the reality is, like, no matter what I set up, it can make it easier for me to do my taxes. But they're never going to be, like, really easy you know they're always going to be a, a thing that's hanging over my head and it's like 
so depressing to me that I have to do them every year because it feels like by the time I finally do them, it's time to do them again. So I'm never actually free of like the stress of them. So I think um, how this connects to me is that there's there's kind of a connection, I think, with wanting, for instance, to have you know, to know that I've ordered my toilet paper for the year, which is the thing I actually do. Um, I buy bulk toilet paper every year and I store it at my house and it's always a huge issue to store it because I have no space. Um, but I like the idea that I'm never going to have to be surprised by running out of toilet paper and, you know, have to be in a situation like that. And also it's like, I don't have to think about it for a year and that makes me really happy so I think there's thing there could be a connection there as well sorry I think I'm making a lot of noise with the mic <clears throat> there could be a connection there as well in just wanting stuff to be off of your brain you know um I know shopping Black Friday sales gets a lot of flack and people on the left are like don't do it you know boycott Black Friday and I understand why you know, that's a thing. But I also feel like it is a good time to save a lot of money. And it is a good time to stock up on stuff you need for the year. So I feel like there is, I don't know, it's it's hard to, like, of course, we want to push back against overall, you know, consumption and capitalism. But it's also like, realistically, you know, I shop Black Friday sales this year online. Um, we no longer have to wait till Cyber Monday. What a treat. And I, you know, got, for some reason, I did all face stuff <laughs> this year. I bought my face mask, I bought makeup, and I bought skincare. And I got a great deal on everything. And it's literally all I need for the year because I'm a little Scrooge and I use very <laughs> small amounts of product. And I feel really good about it. I feel like amazing that I'm not going to have to think about buying those things for the rest of the year, but that I do have them and I can feel good about that. And it feels like something that's off my brain. And it's just one small thing. It's not as nice and big as having my taxes done, but it's something, you know, anytime I can just buy something and be like, great, I'm done with that for a while. It makes me really happy. So I think, you know, I think the the sense of safety, I think food insecurity, trauma, poverty trauma, uh, even abandonment issues, and also just like executive function stuff. I think this all can really factor into hoarding and to buying in bulk when you don't really need it. Because I'm the same way too. I just, there's certain things that I will just always buy because I'd rather have three of them than risk not having one or I always want to get it on sale. And yeah, I think there's something about that that I don't know if it actually makes me feel safer or better, but my brain thinks that it will, you know. And connected into this conversation, it's sort of, I think, maybe connected into like the Black Friday thing that I just said. It's seems that there is some movement on the left of trying to dismantle these really kind of Puritan <laughs> approaches we have to things like sustainability 
and consumption. Um, Kristen Leo, I don't really watch her channel much, but uh, a friend sent me this video and then Koch also put this video in, in this conversation we were having with Pia about hoarding and buying in bulk. And Kristen, um, I put her video in the show notes if you want to watch it. She posted a video about my breakup. It's titled My Breakup with Sustain. Oh, my God. <laughs> Mommy's tired. Mommy's dehydrated. <laughs> she needs an IV. Um, my Breakup with Toxic Sustainability. And, uh, you know, she just talks about like how she feels that getting because she's a leftist and she's vegan and really was really into sustainability and all this stuff. And she talks about how she was just like essentially torturing herself to be super sustainable. And also she realized like it was playing into the term she used was poverty mindset where she kind of felt like she wasn't worth spending money on or that it was like selfish and awful for her to spend money on herself. So it was always like, oh, I have to save this money. I have to not buy anything. I have to not do anything. I have to have no waste, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And I resonate with that, you know. And I think this also connects with the How to Keep House While Drowning book, because in that book, Casey Davis, who's the author, talks about it's basically a blueprint for their recommendations of how to like have your house not be just a complete mess. While also like working with your abilities, your resources, your brain, um, Casey is neurodivergent, I think ADHD, if I remember correctly. And I found the book really great. Um, I found a lot of it was stuff I kind of figured out myself along the way, but it was very validating to hear someone else talk about this stuff. And I think it's a really, really helpful book. It's very short. It's written in a very ADHD-friendly way. Um, and it just has tips that are, like, actually usable. You know, I think so much of what we run across is just, like, who the fuck can do this or can sustain this? But this one struck me as actually, like, really good information. But we had, we've had a little controversy in the book club because one of the members who's from a different country than I am, where I'm in the U.S., um, said that, you know, one of the sections of the book kind of talks about just throwing stuff out. If I, how I interpret it in context was like, if you've gotten to the point where you've had a pile of stuff that you were going to donate or you were going to gift or you were going to try to sell or whatever, and you're just not doing it, like it's okay to, to throw it out. And, even saying that makes me nervous, but at the same time, it resonates with me on like a really deep level. And one of the members of the book club said this sounded very violently American. And, you know, I, I think, yeah, pro probably is, but I think being an American is just kind of a violent experience. And I think a lot of us are 
dealing with that in the best way that we can. And I know from my own experience of cleaning out my house over the last, what was it, year and a half, um, and finally getting to a place where it's like 90 to 95% done and it's livable. Um, I still have some stuff I want to take care of, but, and also not having a car. It's like, I understand how you do get to a place where you're like, I just can't deal with this thing and I just need it to be gone and I don't have anyone to help me. So for my, I don't know, it's like how, how much individual accountability do we have to have constantly all the time and have it make our, make our lives worse? To me, I don't think that any movement I'm a part of should make my life worse. (laughs) Maybe that's like a fucking hot take. I don't know. (laughs) It seems to be, you know, it seems to be almost like any movement worth being a part of should make your life worse. That's the vibe I get a lot of times online. But I think, you know... (sighs) Like as an as an American, quote unquote, like the the pressure to have things and to consume is over fucking whelming. And then I really did do my best to gift things and sell things um, as much as I could. But, you know, you try to give things a couple times and it's really actually quite draining (laughs) uh to do that because you're dealing with like scheduling pickups with people and then people are flaking on you and direct messaging you when they're not supposed to be and I just found the whole pro like I did give away a lot of shit but I found it to be really exhausting and it was something that I really loved doing at first and then by the time I was pretty much done like I have a pile now of stuff I want to give away and every time I look at it, I'm like, ugh, I just can't. <laughs> it's like so many people are just, you know, and they're probably neurodivergent. They probably got shit going on. But it's really hard to not just be super pissed when people are like, oh, my God, pick me. Like, oh, my God, this is the thing. I wanted this forever. And then you're like, congrats, you got it. And they're like, um, what was this again? <sighs> Never mind. Give it to someone else. And it's like, are you fucking serious? And you're doing that for like 5, 10, 20 items. Anyway, this is really just my own personal rant. But what I'm trying to say is that, sure, yeah, we shouldn't throw out things that have value. But there's got to be a point at which you also just have a chance to like live your life and get something off your back um, or off your shoulders. And I think for everyone, that line is going to be somewhere different, but I think that it's okay to break up with these ideas of like what makes us a good person. Because in my view, the reality of the situation is that until these systems are dismantled, nothing we do as individuals really makes a lot of a difference. And that doesn't mean that we sh- like don't see I don't even like any of the words that I want to use because they all feel like we don't have to think about but it, what I mean is like just because capitalism is here 
doesn't mean we have to revel and be like capitalists, right? (laughs) But it also doesn't mean that we have to be like zero waste either. It really doesn't mean anything. I think serve like I think we need to do whatever we can do to be happy healthy thriving people despite the system and then obviously move towards dismantling it in whatever way we can and that connects to the other book that we read which the title of is less is more how degrowth will save the world by Jason Hickel and I found that book like I I will be honest, I kind of didn't want to read it (laughs) because I was like, oh, here we go. (laughs) Like I thought I didn't know what degrowth was really, but um, I thought it was going to be another thing that's like, okay, like you have to consume less and, you know, this is all in you and you have to do all these things. Um, To be fair, I didn't read the book description. uh, So (laughs) that may not even match the book description at all. But you know, I just had this exhaustion of like, oh, my fucking like, I know, I know I'm not supposed to buy anything or eat anything or do anything or go anywhere. Like, I know. Um, but the book wasn't that at all. You know, the book was talking about degrowth as basically like a political movement um, and degrowth essentially meaning that anything that we do should be done because it advances um, it benefits the the world or us or whatever. And from that perspective, you know, get away from ca- the structure of capitalism and profits and get to a structure that's all about how do we use all of our intelligence, all of our resources and things to just make this place the best that it can be. Like, how do we heal the environment and how do we feed everyone in the best way possible? And you know, just have everything focus on that. And it's kind of like a, I feel like the the way he talks about solutions and stuff in the book is basically like how we get from capitalism to not capitalism. So he isn't necessarily suggesting the most radical stuff or the most, I mean, I think it's it's pretty radical. It's pretty reasonable. And it's not necessarily where we all eventually want to end up like it's maybe not as far to the left as we want to go but it's kind of like okay how could we now today what are the things we could do to get there right like what are the things we could do to get out from under capitalism and get out from this state of perpetual growth that capitalism puts us in focus on degrowth and where we actually want resources to go. And it's the first thing that I've ever read that made me feel hopeful in the sense of like, I was like, I can totally fucking picture this. All of this makes complete sense to me. This seems like it would work really well. And it also like focused on really systemic change and not really focused much on like individual responsibility and I just really appreciated that because I'm frankly tired of every fucking leftist movement pointing a finger in my face and saying like you've got to do all this yourself and if we all do this like then things will be different it's like well they won't though really and also everyone can't so it's just kind of a silly place to start like why would we start our movement on a level where we just know there's guaranteed failure. And I know why, (laughs) because I could just go on and on. 
I would summarize by saying it's very profitable in many ways to like in every meaning of that word to put the responsibility on individual shoulders. Um, there's a lot of markets that pop up from that because then you need to be told, well, how do I do it? Right. So there's a whole market for that, like the how to's. And it also helps to protect the systems because the systems are like, oh, well, we don't have to do anything if you're going to do it. And then there's theories that, oh, well, if everyone's doing it, then like there will be systemic change, which perhaps, but we haven't really, I guess I would frame it as, you know, that's, again, that's a lot to put on in individual shoulders that they have to push back against the way the world is set up and hope for a day when the world is set up differently so it won't be so exhausting. And, the you know, this is such a huge argument. This gets into a lot of ableism as well. Uh, I've seen so many people in different leftist movements online just really ridiculing uh, ableist claims against needing certain things to kind of get through the day. And it's just quite tiring. It's like, this is my point, is whether you believe someone needs pre-cut avocados or not, <laughs> and I'm certainly not going to argue that point. Um, it just, you know, it's like, how strong is our movement if that's the argument that we're having with, like, if that's the way we're engaging with each other? You know what I mean? Why aren't we more outwardly focused on the bigger picture instead of kind of like creating these barriers for someone to have to cross? It's like you have to do it yourself first and then we'll focus on bigger change. And I just think that's a losing game. And as a disabled person, I don't appreciate it. <laughs> like trying to keep myself alive and not living in abject squalor is kind of like <laughs> the most I can do right now. So yeah. Uh, so there's, <laughs> there's all of that. I just feel like, and, and I want to be clear, I kind of went on a whole thing there, but like the violently American comment, I also thought was funny because I'm like, yeah, it, you know, I agree. But I just want to point out that it's, it's also, I, <sighs> I can't believe I want to defend American citizens. <laughs> this is like the only time you will ever hear me do this. But I do feel it is a violent existence that we're trying to make our way through. And certainly I'm not trying to claim I'm the biggest victim of my own country because I am not at all. But what I mean is it's just you're just inundated with the normalization and also the requirement and pressure of things like having a shit ton of clothes, <laughs> just so many clothes. And then you get stuff that's cheap and it's like, maybe it's still wearable, but it's also kind of cheap. And, you, you know, you just are like, uh, okay, I could try to donate this somewhere, but how am I going to get there? Blah, blah, blah. It just, I understand. I understand why to someone else that would look like this highly irresponsible thing. And I also understand what it's like to just finally throw something out because you're like, I just, I can't deal with it and I need it gone. And it's been here for a long time <laughs> haunting me. And I just need to know that this has crossed off my list. 
And it doesn't feel great. I'm not saying like, you know, it's something that I enjoy doing. But after having this long project of dealing with my house for this whole time, uh, there were a couple things that I definitely could have given away. And I just, it required, like I had something that needed to be cleaned before it could be given away. And it was so gross. I didn't know how to clean it. And I, I just threw it out. (laughs) And I do feel kind of bad about it, but I also am like so happy to not have to walk past it every day and that it's just done. And I don't know, it's a complicated existence. So yeah, I just want to say like, yeah, yeah, you know, Americans are ridiculous for many reasons. But we're also like, you know, I had a job where I had to have three different levels of attire at all times. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) It's like, that's what we're dealing with. It's just, it's just nonstop. And you you try and you do your best. And especially once you start decolonizing and, you know, you're really trying to scale down. It's just tough. It's just, it's just a lot. So it is what it is. (laughs) I don't blame anyone for, you know, I don't know, thinking whatever they're going to think, but it's, um, I think sometimes the most liberatory radical thing we can do is just the thing that we need to do and maybe not the thing that we're quote-unquote supposed to do uh and yeah I think and Kristen Leo you know even has this in her thumbnail but just like being selfish sometimes and being maybe violently American (laughs) or being irresponsible or wasteful uh, not as like something that you revel in and do as much as you know like take to its fullest or try to emphasize but I think sometimes just saying fuck it I'm just gonna throw this thing away or fuck it I'm just gonna buy this stuff on sale or whatever it is like I think sometimes we just need that and I think like we're in this gig economy where a lot of people are content creators a lot of people are uber drivers a lot of people are contractors we never have a break from anything. And I, I think a lot of us are just really exhausted. The pandemic was exhausting. And I think a lot of us are just trying really hard to feel safe and also trying really hard to feel in control and trying to get somewhere that feels like progress. I I think a lot of us are trying, like, I, I think we see this with, um, the great resignation and stuff like that is a very privileged thing right and the quiet quitting and all of that it's a privileged thing so I don't want to put too much emphasis on it because organization is really what's needed but I think it shows that a lot of people are like more consciously aware than ever that they're exhausted and that things like do not work and they're trying to figure something out and I think you know if we can stop lecturing people on like their individual actions and choices beyond you know I mean things like voting obviously important I think we could tap into that and I think we could make some progress and I think everyone should read less is more I found it really inspiring and I was like I need to reread it because now I can barely remember anything but you know I was like this is how I want to talk to people this is really 
motivating. And I just think we need that. I think we need to understand. Um, I think we need to understand that like everyone has their own kind of trauma from their place in the place that they grew up. And we're all trying to deal with that in different ways. And there needs to be a lessening of the burdens and a healing of the trauma and a restructuring of the world around us before we can really expect people to live in like a very particular way. And what I mean by that is things like, okay, you don't want me to eat canned food then we need to get to a point where we have like community cooking and meal sharing so that I can get food for the week from people who it's their job in the community to make it. I can also contribute to that. And then that burden is lessened. And then it's not making my life worse to not have canned food, which is what it would do to me now. And so on and so on and so on. So... I don't know if I answered any questions, <laughs> but I just wanted to kind of ramble because, yeah, consumption has been a lot on my mind. And um, it's uh, I'm just I think I'm just really tired of feeling bad and feeling guilty for like being myself in my body, in my home, in my financial situation. I. I'm kind of tired of just feeling bad about how I'm like trying to manage. And I would imagine a lot of other people feel that way as well. And I think um, this is how people get turned away from movements. Not that like, I also don't even like taking too much responsibility for bringing people in or key or retention rates. I think just because not that that isn't important, I guess, but like, I don't know. I kind of even have an issue with like organized movements that kind of have like a singular focus, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's complicated. I think I think there's a lot of pitfalls and I don't think that it's bad to f to focus on anything in particular, but I just there's just something about like a structured it's almost like it becomes an institution. And then it has all the same problems that institutions have, you know, like like the people leading it can be fallible and there's this party line and everyone's expected to do things in the same way. And I just think like I guess it's the anarchist in me uh, is like, no, I don't want any of that. Whereas like I've always just wanted us to sell ideas and sell liberation and, you know, kind of just get people to buy into things can be different and then go from there. But I, I, I certainly don't think that's the only way to do things. And I don't want to sound I don't even organize. So I have no place to talk anyway. But yeah, I'm just very tired of uh, usually middle class people telling me how my actions uh, reflect on a movement when it's like, you know, can I get health care, though? Can I, you know, can I pay my rent? Like, no one's here helping me and I'm trying to survive here. And so, yeah, if I need to like buy Black Friday sales, then there's worse things that I could be doing. 
yeah, I think there's something to be said for dismantling. Like we need to live the, we need to live the con- conditions that we're fighting for. I think that that is just impossible. I guess that's what I'm getting at. You know, it's, it's like, it's not to say that personal accountability doesn't exist in any respect, but I think to tell someone like, well, you need to live a zero waste life so that we can get to a zero waste world is just really backwards and impossible. And you're going to get people who are eventually either rich hippies living in like tiny homes or and then thinking they're doing something, you know, being like off the grid on their own. But it's like, well, that is not relatable to like most people or you get people who are like, fuck it. <laughs> I don't want to, you know, deal with this. And I think, you know, things like hoarding have really deep roots, like I was talking about before, in trauma. And so to to vilify and politicize someone's purchases in that way is just, again, just very backwards. It's like this person isn't single-handedly creating environmental destruction. And also they're dealing with their trauma under capitalism in this way and you can say that that way is not good but no way you know it's like going after someone for being an alcoholic or going after someone for having an eating disorder it's like yeah I know (laughs) I'm well aware that my anorexia is not a good way to deal with my trauma and stress but like you know (laughs) it's not helpful to point that out so I don't know. I just want us all to be kinder to ourselves and each other. And I'm just tired. I'm just tired and I'm exhausted from work. And like I said, just having this very visceral experience of going from like almost no work and being like pretty low purchasing, having a really nice routine, being pretty happy. And then literally overnight from Sunday to Monday, you know, having this work start up. And now the last few weeks, I've just been like a consumption monster (laughs) and, and just anxious and, you know, just really struggling. Uh, It just reminded me of like what most people are dealing with on a day-to-day basis and probably aren't even consciously aware of how bad it is because we're so indoctrinated with like work is good and I like work and like I should be grateful to have a job. So people, you know, drink their coffees and buy their things and have all their coping mechanisms and aren't even a lot of times consciously aware that they are so miserable, which was one of the things that I think the pandemic did for the, I don't know what we call them, the professional class or whatever, uh, you know, kind of highlighted for a lot of people like, oh, wait a minute, I actually hate working this much and it sucks and I don't want to do it. And again, I think that's a great opportunity for something more joyful and an approach that doesn't, you know, just shame people for their own habits. It's like we all need to wake up and learn, but we all need to be presented like the the normie masses need to be presented with uh, a better vision. You know, this is all they have. And um, yeah, being even having all of the analysis that I have, like, doesn't protect me from still like suffering and having the same coping mechanisms under capitalism as anybody else and despite my best efforts like I really have been trying to mitigate that stress and I can't like my body I've come to realize my body still can't handle 
stress, even if I'm mentally like I'm able to manage my mental state throughout the day. And I have most days done pretty well with that. I've just accepted that I'll be working all day and that when I finish, I'll be exhausted and then I'll go to bed. And like I've I've actually like been okay. I think especially because I know it's temporary. But then when I try to go to bed, I'm exhausted. I can't even keep my eyes open. And then I lay down and my heart starts racing and I can't fall asleep. And then I finally fall asleep. Then I wake up at 3.30 in the morning. I'm like covered in sweat. My heart's racing again. I can't fall back asleep. It's like my body's screaming that it's not okay. And I'm just craving carbs constantly. Uh, All I want to do is eat chips and salsa, my fave, and like have ice cream or whatever. And I just, it's like stunning to me. I wasn't even thinking about those things three weeks ago. And now it's like, I can't function. Oh, I've been wanting some greasy Chinese food. And weirdly, hit me up if you know a good place in San Diego. I have not been able to find a good place in San Diego to just get like a nice greasy lo mein or something. But that's all I want. You know, I just want like greasy carbs and um, to buy things. <laughs> and I don't want to exercise. I don't want to go outside. I'm so antisocial. It's hard for me to even keep up with my messages. And it's just like, damn, this is what most people feel all the time and like don't even realize where it's coming from, you know. And not to say there can't be other reasons to feel this way. Of course there can. But I think a lot of people feel this way. And then they try to get help and it's like, you know, oh, you're depressed or oh, you're whatever. And it's like, well, yeah, but not. It's like because of the situation, you know, (laughs) like if you didn't have to work for your survival in this way, you might just be okay. Um, But you'll never know that because you'll never have that opportunity Um, until the pandemic hit. And then some people did. And they realized like, oh, I don't feel like a fucking pile of hopeless existential dread every day if I don't have to like clock in every day. But, you know, capitalism's turning away. It's it's extending its tentacles further into everyone. It's doing what it can to reclaim us back and then there's so many workers who have never gotten the chance to have a break and yeah it's pretty brutal the whole system is pretty brutal and you know ice cream doesn't make it go away (laughs) but it tastes good (laughs) and it's something it's like I've just been shocked at how much I'm like desperate for that immediate gratification and that very low effort uh, pleasure. Um, I was doing really well with like going for really long walks and um, just just all kind of like I was actually feeling very creative. I've been working on a script for the YouTube channel I want to start. And that was so like just great and like um, sustaining and, and wonderful and it's just, you know, these kind of high effort ways to feel good and participate in your life. And it's just, yeah, I'm just shocked. Like one week to another, I just have no capacity for any of that. <laughs> uh, anyway. All right. That's been my ramble about things and capitalism and stuff <laughs> and food. Um, I did buy myself some chips and salsa on my walk home from my doctor's appointment. So... I'm going to go indulge in that and uh, celebrate that I got this podcast recorded. 
and hopefully edited and out on time. Um, but thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening. I've missed you. I have missed doing the show. I was so excited to, uh, yeah, record a couple of weeks ago and I just, just literally couldn't, I was working all fucking day every day and could not get to it. So I will try, hopefully I can record early January. I think I'll be, I think my project's going to have, uh, my project's slowing down this week and I think it will be still slowed down as of that week. So hopefully you'll get uh, almost back-to-back pink spots. Um, as always, please let me know if you have a prompt for the show, a question or just a topic you'd like to hear me talk about. Uh, you can send those to pinkspots at gmail.com or you can send them to me via any social media platform that you're connected with me on. And uh, I would love that. I have a pretty good backlog, but I'm always looking for more con- more juicy content <laughs> to get those clicks. <laughs> Just kidding. I get like no clicks, but we have fun. I like that this is our kind of warm, cozy little corner of the internet. I find that quite quite nice. So yeah, let mama know if you have any life advice you want, any questions, any rants you want to hear. And uh, hopefully I will be talking to you all very soon. Uh, Happy holidays to anyone who celebrates any holidays this time of year, Um, whether you celebrate them in the traditional way or in the anti (laughs) kind of way. I'm trying to have an anti-Xmas myself by not buying anything and uh, just sitting around and playing video games. I want to say a very special thank you. I won't name you because I didn't ask if this was okay, but a certain person sent me their used Switch and uh, longtime listeners will know how big of a fucking deal that is. <laughs> so this is also proves how busy I am and how much I love you all because the switch is still in the box. I have not opened the box yet, but I'm here recording an episode for you. That's how busy I've been. And that's how much I love you. I uh, prioritized you over the switch. <laughs> but I think like what a great way to celebrate the holidays with a regifted, amazing thing that I've wanted for so long and we'll just have so much fun with. And I'm excited because my sister has had a switch for a while, a long time and we are going to do game exchanges. So that'll be really fun for us. And hopefully we can even play some games together because we still like to do that. Uh, when I used to play Xbox, and um, I miss it. It's a nice way to keep in touch with people, I think. So, yeah, so that's what I'm doing. So I hope whatever you're doing is fun and great. I also will just be working less, (laughs) and that's the best anti-Xmas I could give myself. All right, babies, uh, take care, and we'll see you on the next one. Hey, Pinko. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed the show, consider supporting it by making a monthly contribution on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash pinkspots. You can also make a one-time donation on Venmo to at pinkspots or on PayPal by using the link in the show notes below. Your donations help support a disabled, neuroqueer anarchist live off her creative work, and that's pretty damn cool.